It is October the 11th, 2014. This is 5-8, a show about Worcester. This week with special guest, Chris Robarge. Hi, Chris. Hi. Also on this week, Brendan Malikin smoking an e-cigarette. Hi, How Brendan. What's shaking? <laughs> I'm okay. I am Michael Benedetti. This week on the show, this week on the show, our title is going to be So Much Stuff. Because there's so much stuff that has so much stuff. happened in the month since we taped the podcast. There's so much stuff going on this week. None actually more stuff, just the fewer shows. So we've got more stuff to catch up. No, there is more stuff actually. I think I think that week week for week for week there's more stuff going on this week. In fact, a number of people have been kind enough to send in suggestions of what we should talk about this week. We're gonna talk about some of your suggestions. We can't talk about all of your suggestions because there is so much stuff. But please keep the suggestions coming. You can go to pieandcoffee.org or email us at pieandcoffee at gmail.com. And now for stuff. The headlines. The, uh, the big headline this week is that the Worcester City Council has hired a new city manager. It's former state senator Ed Augustus, who's been serving as the temporary city manager for the last nine months. The council wasn't happy with any of the candidates who'd been found through a nationwide search, so they selected Augustus, who originally said he'd only be temporary, but changed his mind. The only councilor voting against hiring Ed Augustus was Connie Lukes, who said that she didn't object to Augustus so much as she objected to how the whole process went. Uh, and we will be talking more about this this week also. The Insane, the insane Clown Posse were in Worcester last weekend. Uh, we haven't had any jugglers on this show for a couple of uh, years, I guess. So Brendan had emailed me a while back saying we should interview them. But we couldn't inter- interview them because we couldn't do a show because my parents were in town. But as it turns they out... They were in town for the show. They weren't in town for the show. They were in t- town to hang out with me and other cool people in Worcester. But they ended up actually staying in the same hotel as a lot of other cool people from Worcester, namely a bunch of jugglers. And I just want to give this, they got to talk to some jugglers, they got to learn about the culture a little bit. Quote from my father, there were footprints in the elevator and butt prints. Is your father uh, going to make his way to the gathering this year as a result of his uh, positive experience with local jugglers? I don't think so. No. I don't think so. But I, I think he was surprised. At, I think he was surprised at the positivity of his interaction. And, and the butt prints. I, he was all, yes. yes That's absolutely. more of a physics uh, problem, though. That's <laughs> probably just curious about it. Also, this weekend, the big Shock and Jock Festival, Shock and Rock Festival. Mm. Rock and Shock Festival. Rock and shock. The Shock and Jock Festival is a different thing. <laughs> horror and sports. This is going to be rock and roll and horror coming up this weekend at the Palladium. Exciting. Yeah, Exciting I'm not going to go. What but kind of prints do you think will be left in the uh, elevators after that? Bloody prints. Bloody prints. I don't know. Uh, zombie prints. There have recently been uh, some gang shootings in Worcester, and there have been a ton of drug arrests by police uh, in response to those. I feel like this is one of these stories that we really can't add anything to, but I just want to throw it out there. Uh, the Telegram and Gazette reports that 20 trucks have hit the low railroad bridge on Cambridge Street so far this year. Mm. And so they're going to get a thing, potentially they're going to get a thing called a height clearance curtain. Mm. This is one of these deals, Brendan, which is like a big you know, arch, metal arch and it has chains hanging down. And then there's lengths of pipe at the end of each chain such that if a truck that is too high comes in, hopefully the driver will hear a bunch of pipes hitting the top of his truck mm-hmm. and stop before getting it stuck under a bridge. Mm-hmm. And if not, then what? Then he'll get it stuck under a bridge. Then he'll get a, <laughs> you get a truck stuck under a bridge. That's amazing, though. Twenty. That's like, that's like a couple times a month. I feel as though this week, you said that there's a lot going on this week, and I feel this week more than any other week recently, I've been involved in a lot of side conversations that have to do with uh, short-term uh, versus long-term th- planning in Worcester. Uh-huh. I think this is actually a perfect example. Like the curtain, I mean, sure, like you should probably put that on every bridge, right? You get some spare chains ha- hanging around. What else are you going to do with them? Might as well hang them on a bridge so yeah. the truck doesn't get stuck. But it seems like it's probably 
probably somewhere out there a better engineering solution to keeping your bridge your bridges from getting trucks stuck under them or your trucks getting stuck under bridges like whichever raise the side. bridge I will the raising a bridge might be hard that might be really hard but I always thought like you know you, you know eventually we resurface roads if I'm not mistaken actually Cambridge Street is being resurfaced this year there's a giant blinky sign on Cambridge Street that says between now and February 2nd find a different route because we're doing tons of construction I often wonder is like anyone actually said hey maybe we should dig the area under this bridge like two feet deeper yeah. and then we won't have trucks stuck under it anymore but I'm not an engineer so I'm not gonna maybe that isn't a viable solution but something tells me out there there's probably a really smart person who could come up with a better way to keep trucks from getting stuck under the bridges or maybe even like a big sign that says no trucks catapults there's a lot of options ramps yeah uh, as part of Charter Cable moving to all digital service, several channels are going to be moved, including public access channel WCCA, where this show is seen. They're going to be moving from channel 13 to, like, channel 193. Which, correct you, Mike. Was seen. Was seen. This show, <laughs> if well... We're now going to be on channel 4 million. We're going to be on channel 4 million coming up. And, yeah. and the city council and a lot of other people in town have raised some ruckus around this, but I don't think it's going to change anything. I think we're going to move to channel 4 million. Yeah. So just just keep your just keep your keep your eyes open, viewers. <laughs> You'll find us eventually. We'll be up there between uh, high def, uh, non-local sports, and pornography. It's a good place to be. Maybe the top story of the week, next to the city manager thing, is that eight three thousand pound gargoyles are missing from the Dream Center on Chestnut Street. These were removed when the former Chestnut Street Congregational Church was remodeled in two thousand six. They were supposed to be stored in the basement, and it was recently found that they are not in the basement. One person uh, told Nick Katsopoulos from the Telegram and Gazette that they had never been in the basement, that he had seen them just loaded onto trucks and driven away. Uh, right now, people are traveling around to various warehouses in New England looking for these gargoyles, looking for some trace of the 18,000 pounds worth of gargoyles that have gone missing from the city. Worth of gargoyles. Finally, Brendan, if you are not registered to vote at your current address and you want to vote in November, Stop watching this and do it now, because you will have at most one day to register to vote if you're watching this. Get out there. Stop watching. Stop watching. No, remember what channel vote. you're watching on, so you can come back. To it's it going to change when you come back. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Don't worry about that. Chris, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you guys? We're doing good. I want to I want to talk about top topics of the week, uh, and uh, I think the, we don't have a lot to say about the gargoyles. Maybe we have some some. I don't know. Some final thoughts about the city manager prod process. Well, I think before with the city manager process, I have to say, as someone who has not always lived in Worcester, uh, this city seems to be really good at losing big things. I noticed that Orson goes missing a lot, and Turtle Boy was gone for a while some years ago when I moved uh -huh. here. And now we've got, you know, I don't know, 24,000 pounds of gargoyles. So it seems like a very interesting thing that happens in Worcester that maybe doesn't happen as much as other places. I don't know. Like eco the economy has gone missing. You know, there's, there's yeah, thousands yeah, of jobs yeah, have gone missing. That yeah. used to be pretty big. Yeah. Somebody should look into this. I think we have a local FBI office now. They might want to get on the case. <laughs> there seems to be something bigger than a, like a typical cat burglar running around. I think actually the question would be, what is the largest sculpture that's ever gone missing in our city's history? It probably is is these six gargoyles tied for first. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what Turtle Boy weighs. I, I, don't, I don't think it's probably quite up there. You know, Orson's big, but he's not super heavy. But yeah. Yeah. just an odd trend. Orson is the giant polar bear at Polar. Oh, okay. the inflated polar bear. Yeah. yeah, so he doesn't weigh anything. He's large. He's not heavy. 
Yeah. Did he? Did that actually go missing, or was it just shot again? Because they used to get picked off by arrows all the time when I was <laughs> yeah, a kid. I feel like <laughs> people would shoot the crossbows at it from 290. Yeah, maybe that's what happened. I know you get shot. I know that uh, there were some college pranks where uh, Orson got stolen a couple times in return. And, and just, just an outsider, you know, energy. note. It just it seems like a thing that happens a lot here. I don't know. We're, we're, it's, a, it's a city. I don't know. Um, so so to get back to the city manager thing. So you, you are, of course, known to 508 viewers as a member of the Citizens Advisory Board, which is a, a big board that's involved in getting people onto all the other boards and commissions. Uh, also ACL, an ACLU guy. But recently, you have gotten... You have left the Citizens Advisory Board, right? I have, yeah. I resigned uh, effective, I don't remember the date, uh, a few weeks ago. Okay. And it was because of all the city manager stuff, yeah? It was. Um, I mean, it, it was, It was. Uh, there were a few factors in play, um, but the sort of definitely the, the straw that broke the camel's back was uh, was the stuff that happened around the city manager's appointment. And, uh, you know, I um, feel like it's a very odd world when I get to say this, but I completely agree with Connie Lukes uh, and her take on the situation uh, in that it's it's not the candidate that they wound up with, it's, uh, it's the way that they got there. So now I have talked to people, and certainly I've talked to plenty of people who feel like everything is fine. Ed Augustus is a good, solid guy. The process was kind of screwed up, but whatever. And then I've talked to some people who are like, this is just incompetence and or corruption. You know, I feel like people's responses to this, I've thoughtful people I've talked to, their responses are all along the spectrum. What What do you think, what, are your, what were your concerns with this? What do you think went down here? Yeah, I mean... I don't know what went down. I mean, I have some, you know, I have some theories, but, uh, you know, the, in, the way that I feel about it is is, is that it, it just, you know, it, it was a terrible process, even in a city that is not really known for having great processes. What was what was wrong with the process? Uh, the process, I mean, from from the beginning, you had a candidate, who, so you had Ed Augustus who um, became a candidate for the temporary job all of a sudden in a city council meeting where there was majority support, but nobody had talked about it beforehand. But somehow everyone was totally fine, you know, was able to, to support a decision that they were just then hearing about at that moment. So you had this sort of, uh, you know, you had this sort of controversy when Ed first came in, uh, which I think was part of the reason why he said uh, that he wasn't going to be a candidate for the permanent oh, job. by the way, Scott Zoback is over there. Zoback, he got his tzatziki. Okay. So, so yeah, I mean, and, and I mean, make no mistake, Ed did say he was not going to be a candidate for the permanent position. He said he wasn't going to take it. He wasn't interested in taking it. They asked him a few times after that, and he said, nope, I'm definitely not going to take it. Right. Um, and that was maybe one of these things that put people's minds at ease a little bit. People who said, okay, you got a guy who is widely liked and probably very good, competent at the job, but at the same time, he's very insidery. You know, he's, he's donated money to the campaigns of some of these people who are on the city council voting sure. for him. There's, you know, there is deliberation. It's not, there's not, I mean, as people, as city councilors especially have pointed out, there's nothing in the city charter that says how this is supposed to happen. Nope. Like, they can just pull a name out of the hat. They can be like the next guy who walks in this room as the next city manager. They can do whatever they can that would presume. Be cool. Can they put it up for bid? I don't know. But maybe, but there's there's nothing at least in that particular part of the of the charter that says that they can't just sell the job to somebody. So, but as far as trying to make the process seem open, seem deliberative, seem positive, the deliberate the deliberative aspect of it was real short. The uh, the insideriness of it was very high. But he said, "Listen, I'm not going to do this job forever." And I think a lot of people were like, "Okay, fine, okay." Right. 
Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I think that that's you know that's kind of how it was. I think there, precisely because there is no prescribed process for how we're supposed to arrive at a manager, that's why it's imperative that city council, you know, come up with a good and open and transparent process if they want people to feel like the decision was arrived at in an open and transparent way, and that's why they have to stick with it. Um, and I think you know that's what happened is is they you know they created this process. And, uh, you know, uh, you could argue that it wasn't perfect. I would argue that it wasn't perfect. Um, but they, you know, they went through the process. They got some candidates. Um, and then they decided to, you know, to walk away from all three of the candidates. They didn't even offer any of them the job. And they decided to offer the job back to the guy who said he wasn't going to take the job a bunch of times. And then he said he would take the job. Uh, and here we are. Um, it just feels, even for, you know, the way that a lot of things go down in the city, uh, it feels particularly uh, dirty the way that the process happened. Hmm. Well, I admire, I admire that you've taken a stand here. I think that, a lot, again, a lot of people have expressed their opinions one way or another. Very few, I think, have been in a position to actually do something substantive as a result of those opinions. So. Thanks. I appreciate it. Good job on that. Brendan? Mike. How are you doing? I thought you guys were leaving me. You no, so far no. away. The, uh, you know, I, I think uh, Chris Matthews actually solved this problem for us last night on his show uh, Hardball on MSNBC. Okay. He, he was interviewing... Uh, former mayor and now pro- mayor, candidate for mayor of Providence, uh, Buddy Cianci. Mm-hmm. And uh, during his interview, if you watch it, the clip is on MSNBC's website. It's at the two-minute mark. Uh, he actually turns around to uh, Buddy Cianci and says, you know, if I was a federal judge, I wouldn't have sent you to prison for, for, the sec- for, for your second uh, corruption charge. I would have sent you up to Worcester, Massachusetts with a mandate to fi- turn that city around in 100 days. So I think Chris Matthews is actually, he's figured it all out. We we do need a process, as Chris said. I, I completely agree with him. Right? We it's, need to be recruiting from the prisons, is what you're saying. We need to be recruiting from the prisons. No, what we need, you just need the to prison have... prison to politics pipeline, they call you it. You just need to have a concept and work with it, right? I mean, I think all of us here have acknowledged in the past we're big fans of The Wire, right? And when you're watching The Wire, you're constantly hearing people talking about the game. And whatever side of the game you're participating in, you can't actually play the game unless you know the rules. And I don't think anybody actually knows what the rules for getting hired as city manager are in the city. Mm-hmm. If it's just going to be about favoritism and whatnot, then fine, throw that out there. Make sure that people know that, like, you have no say in the person that is going to be managing the city day to day, and then the uh, people who are interested in such things can just do a better job of monitoring the city councilors who end up being that person's boss. Fine. I mean, just just make that clear. This was one of those things, though, where I, it was just kind of thrown out there, and um, I, I have to believe on some level that uh, Manager Augustus actually didn't intend on taking the job on the outset. He had a really great job to go back to. And on some level, I, I at least like to think that maybe he started this job and realized this is could be kind of a cool job, and maybe this is the thing that I've always wanted to do because I've had a lot of complaints and concerns about the city as an active member of local politics, and what better place to take care of some of that? But at the end of the day, that doesn't make anybody feel better, right? I mean, you end up maybe with even the solution that the majority of people in the city would have come to an agreement on had they at least understood what was going on behind the scenes. If and there was an election for city manager... It seems like it was the kind of thing that Ed Augustus yeah, might have I mean, been able to win because people were super into him. A bunch of Chamber of Commerce got a bunch of business leaders to sign letters saying, please, please hire this guy, even though he doesn't want it. A ton of progressive activists and labor yep. activists in the city were really pumped by this. I feel like I myself not feeling like I'm necessarily, I'm, you know, I'm no business leader. I'm no labor activist. Mm-hmm. I think Ed Augustus is a good guy. 
But I think that's all, that's simultaneously part of the problem, right? Like when you have a lot of influence peddlers that are pushing somebody, when it comes to an election, you can at least do your best to judge the influence being peddled uh, on its value and its merits. In sure. this case, it just looks like you had a bunch of influence peddlers who had their favorite, who might have simultaneously been the public's favorite as well too, but without the public actually having any say in it. And at the same time, you know, you got to wonder, did we waste a bunch of people, other people's time in terms of an actual interview process? And is it even possible that because of some of the dirt that was dug up on some of these people, that their futures as city managers and, and, and leaders in, in other communities might be tarnished in, in, in a way? I mean, we're bringing up uh, bankruptcies that weren't relevant to anything. Um, you know, I mean, we, we it's it, it seems like the whole thing just kind of fell apart on the folks who got what they wanted in the end, but also created a, a bit of a mess for themselves to sort through. and. Is there just no, uh, like, it seems like we got some, we got some candidates who you would be like, sure, yeah, I would hire this person as a city manager. And a lot of candidates who was like, no, you wouldn't really want to hire this person as a city manager. Is there just no competition? Is there just no, no, nobody looking for jobs in that area? Uh, no, I think quite the contrary. I, I would go back and say that I, I, I would be, I would be fascinated to see what kind of advertisements actually went out and where we were looking. Like this, this seems to be one of those jobs that like in almost every high level of politics, you don't end up getting the people who are up and coming, like rising stars, right? Mm -hmm. You get the people who've already made a nut somewhere else, don't necessarily have to worry about finances and whatnot, uh, and would love to have the opportunity to maybe stick, take a step back and do something as a true public service, right? Right. It, which is probably the sort of uh, archetype, the sort of personality that Worcester should be s searching for. That you know, someone who who has done great things elsewhere, public, private sector, who cares, uh, but could bring some vision uh, and, and clarity of, of mind to a city that sometimes seems kind of scrambled the way it's doing things. I'm, I've never really been uh, an opponent or proponent of the idea that it needs to be somebody local. We ended up with somebody local, and we ended up with a very competent person local. But again, the the process seems to be more confusing and more muddled uh, than it ever had been in the past. And as a result, I, I, I think it does make it hard for people to trust whether or not uh, there is any sort of cohesive vision or an idea of what we're even shooting for here, other than making sure a guy we all like got a job that we think he'll be good for. Again, the end is, might be great for everybody, but it's how you got there that I think uh, confuses people and probably upsets a lot of people simultaneously. Yeah, no, I mean, I think those are all really good points, and I, I think... Um you know, there's so many, what, what frustrates me, a lot of things frustrate me. What One of the things that frustrates me the most is that there's so many ways that we could have arrived at this outcome with that, that wouldn't have made me feel as, as dirty about the whole thing as, as I do. There, there would have been, it would have been so easy to do it right. It just would have taken a tiny bit more effort. Somebody could have said, somebody could have said, I want to propose that Augustus, but let's see if anybody else sure. wants to they, put their name in the hat and we'll talk about it for a couple weeks and we'll yeah, hire a new city. That, I mean, at the outset, at the, at the time that when we were picking someone to, to fill the role on an interim basis, that could have been done. It would have taken an extra week. That's what it would have cost, an extra week for his name to be out there, to have some sort of conversation, they still could have lined up the votes. I mean, everybody knows they could have lined up the votes mm -hmm. for Ed Augustus. If they could get them now, they could, you know, they, they could get them now. Um, it, there's a lot of ways in which it, it could have been done better. And and so to see it done this badly just makes me, it, may, it makes me feel like council just doesn't care about process. They just don't care what it looks like. Um, you know, and I think the other thing that Brendan was talking about with these other candidates is, is really worth 
uh, you know, talking about. I, I think, you know, to have people's dirty laundry getting aired here for this, you know, for this process where it's pretty clear now that we weren't going to hire any of these people. And, you know, I, I, the other thing I, I think is important to mention is that I really hope Ed sticks around because, man, the next time we look for a city manager, I, I don't know who would apply for the job in Worcester after, you know, after this all becomes uh, public information for anyone who's applying, you know, the way that it went down this time. They're, they're, I wouldn't apply for the job and say they're going to find some inside guy in the end and stick him in there. So uh, I think there's a lot of ramifications that uh, some people seem not to care about because the guy that we got in the end is, is a good guy. And I, I completely agree by the way that he is. I think he'll be, you know, in all likelihood, very good at the job. I just I just think that the process was was terrible. And, and I it represents a city government that I didn't want to be an inside part of anymore. And that's why I decided to resign. And that's the really crazy thing, too, is that I think anyone that's worked in any form of any level of government at all realizes it's not hard to come up with a process that gives you the very outcome that you want, but at least gives the sense that you're pretending to play ball. And and this wasn't that process at all. I mean, all we got out of this was we pulled Jimmy Smits out of his uh, his acting career uh, and made him feel bad that we wouldn't then give him the job of running the city of Worcester. And that alone is something that we should all be looking in the mirror and saying, Wait a Why? second, Jimmy Smits was going to run for the... One of the finalists looked exactly oh. like him. That was a oh. bad joke. I'm sorry, but yeah, no. I mean, we we should all be we should all be quite kicking ourselves for passing on the opportunity of Jimmy Smith. He was Smith's almost being, the president. Wasn't, that wasn't Jimmy Smith. That was uh, I think that was one of his co-stars from the show. That was almost president. That wasn't Jimmy Smith. I don't know what I'm talking about. Anyway, um, so I want to I want to read some letters from people. Uh, we actually didn't get any comments about the last show. We got a very long comment from Jim May about the previous show, but that was too many months ago. Uh, but we did get some comments for this show, some suggestions of what we should talk about on this show. Thank you again for those. I want to uh, actually read Jim May's suggestion. I, I just want to read this because I feel like it's just thought-provoking. So let's, let me just... I'm going to read the best part of this. We should talk about the ongoing expansion of the urban core from Kilby Gardner to Osgood Bradley to the Worcester Art Museum in Gateway Park and how the internationalism of that area will force Worcester to, to contend with its parochialism. I think by just reading that comment, we actually have done the topic justice. I want people to think about this, so I'm going to say it one more time. <laughs> think about the ongoing expansion of the urban core from Kilby Gardner, Main, you call this Main South, roughly Main South, sure. to Osgood Bradley, which is uh, the building which is kind of adjacent to Union Station. Mm -hmm. There's a famous building, Ron Paul sign building, Yes. Tracy Novick sign building, Brad Wyatt's building. Kilby Gardner to Osgood Bradley to the Worcester Art Museum in Gateway Park. And how the, quote, internationalism, end quote, of that area will force Worcester cont to contend with its parochialism. That's a great, that's a great right there. Keep sending in these comments. Keep sending in these letters. Um, we also got a comment. So many, th uh, so many, so many things that people wanted us to talk about, but Mary wanted us to talk about the uh, a 3K that's going on October 18th, the Hip Hip Race. It's a 3K raising money for the Abbey's, Abbey's House Women's Shelter in downtown Worcester. Uh, go online, and if you want to run a 3K, you should do it. Do you ever, you ever run one of these charity races? I've told you before, my co cops and dogs are the only things that encourage me to run. Super, super fun, these charity races. Come on. I'm do a show here. Who's getting ice? It's 40 degrees outside. Who is buying ice cream today? The sun's out. He was really hoping we were buying ice cream. <laughs> ice he's cream like, failed. he's like, these guys don't know how to have fun. They're not going to buy ice cream. eats ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> Look at him. Chris Robarge, ladies and gentlemen. Um, 
Never the same show twice. Uh, and then I guess you want to. Finally, I think we should just wind down and talk about recommendations. What you're excited about in Worcester this week? I have four recommendations, so I'll let you guys go no, first. No, you. I, I have. Go to Chris. I'd have to think about that. What are you oh excited, God, what are you excited have about? To think about that. What am I excited about in Worcester this week? I am. Honestly, I've got nothing. I got four. Th- I got four things, Chris. Let me tell you about these four things you guys. I'm not. Need. I'm not I, I don't have nothing because there's nothing exciting going on. I've only been back in town a couple days, and I don't know what's going on. Well, I can tell you here. I'm going to tell you Please now. Do. This is what's going on, people. Number one, Brian Goslow's article in Worcester Magazine, his cover article about riding the bus. I read this article. This article is awesome. It's just Brian Goslow riding the bus for a couple of days, talking to everybody on the bus, and getting their story of their life and how the bus intersects with their story. So what you're saying is Brian Goslow uh, pilfered uh, our idea from when we did our anniversary show on the bus and picked up all of our guests and, and viewers along the way. I think that Brian did not pilfer. I, I think that we pilfered. I think that no. I think Good that ever since there's Goslow been a bus, people have been our stories. Anyway, I think that that's that, that's the kind of articles that I love to see when somebody writes a long article, which is mm. just like I'm just going to tell you about a bunch of little details about Worcester life that you don't know. I'm going to connect them all together. However, but here's just a bunch of stories about Worcester. It was cool. Uh, the Pirates of Penzance is coming to the Hanover Theater this Saturday. Um, I don't know, which is directly competing with the sh- Rock and Shock. I'm going to be the Pirates of Penzance. You know, I, I don't know if I can. This is a, I think Opera Providence is doing this, and I don't know if I can recommend the Pirates of Penzance. If you don't like, if you're not excited by it, you shouldn't go see it. But if you are excited about it, you should. Oh man. Uh, there is also there is a. Uh, there's a, uh, a series of screenings and activities that are beginning this week around the films of Alejandro Jodorowsky. Um, I can't go this week, but I'm going to go to every, every subsequent one. I'm super excited about this. You know, Jodorowsky, creator of films like Holy Mountain, uh, the first uh, cult midnight sm- movie smash, El Topo. And recently there's a, mo- a documentary about his attempt back in the 70s to make a film of Dune, which is, people really love this documentary. Anyway... I'm super excited by this. Films and activities surrounding the films. I've got something cool. I'd like to add to you there, Mike. Uh, not, um, not, not actually this week, but you can do it this week if you're watching the show. At the end of November, I think it's the weekend of the 20th thereabouts, uh, Elf the Musical is going to be at the Hanover Theater. Uh-huh. And I think everybody in the city would, I mean, should go and celebrate what is by far the greatest uh, Christmas movie of all time, Elf, uh, in seat in musical form at the Hanover Theater. And if anyone from the production is watching this, I would do anything. I've already bought my tickets, but I would do absolutely anything to be somehow involved in that production. If you can get me up on stage, as an elf. Let's 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 look at Brandon for a second. It's very elf. You could totally pull off being an elf. Right? I mean, come on, you don't even need prosthetics there. Don't go too close. I don't think I cleaned him today. Um, but yeah, Elf the Musical. I think everybody should be there for that one. I'm excited that we're recommending things at the Hanover. We never do that. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think it's any that we're we're not paying attention to the Hanover. I think it's it's just a matter of the Hanover finding things that fits more of our, our interests. Yeah, I pretty much... Uh, you got no idea what's going on. I got no idea what's going on. I, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I, I should know what's going on. I feel like people look to me sometimes to know what's going on, and I feel like I'm failing everyone utterly right now. The city looks to Chris Robarsh, and Chris Robarsh says, I don't <laughs> Don't know. look to me this if week. If the people involved with the production of Elf were to offer you the, the, the part that um, Artie Lang played of the Angry Santa in Elf, would you be willing to take that uh, I would be willing to take an, any and all parts uh, for, for no compensation except for the experience. Elf, the so, musical people, you have an entire cast right here in Winslow Peace Park. Come on, get on it. Well, <clears throat> guys, thanks for being on the show this thanks week. Thanks for having us. This has been the 508 Show. If you have any complaints or questions, you can email them to pieandcoffee at gmail.com, and we are very happy to write, uh, read them on the show.
Uh, I hope we can. I hope we can do more than one show a month, man. One show a month just feels weird to me. Yeah. Chris Robarch, thank you. Thank you. Brenda Milliken, thank you. Thank you. I'm Michael Benedetti saying thank you, the viewer, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.